my name is Justin Kluwer, and I'm here today with... Will Sloan. Nope. I'm here with Matthew Kumar, subbing in for Will Sloan. <laughs> ah, come on. This is the second time. This <laughs> yeah. time you gotta let me be Will Sloan. And today we will be talking about something very near and dear to me and Matthew's heart, and that is the, the man, adventure of Gumby, <laughs> the legend, <laughs> Bruce Willis. Yeah, Matthew, you're jumping too far ahead. <laughs> we'll get to it, but first of all, we have to discuss. When did you get obsessed, like me, with Bruce Willis? Well, you know, I've probably told this story before on one of our podcasts, but I think that like all kids see Die Hard, mm -hmm. right? Love you know, Die Hard, Die amazing Hard. movie. Die Hard, you see Die Hard too, still enjoy it, but. The defining moment of my life, ultimately, when it comes to Bruce Willis, is seeing, and I remember it so clearly, seeing Hudson Hawk on VHS, mm -hmm. right? We, we rented it from Global Video, we got it out, we put it on, and having to start the movie over, like, three times, because I was just like, what the hell is this movie? Because it starts all that stuff about, like, Leonardo da Vinci, and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. And then, watching the whole movie and being like, this movie is really good. And then, even as a child, understanding that people hated Hudson Hawk. Really? So that's where you're going to go with Bruce Willis, is that you, like me, we caught the hawk. Yeah. We haven't let it go since then. Yeah, catch the excitement, catch the, yeah, the thrills. The thrills catch, catch the, the hawk. hawk. Yeah, that's what we We're did. both Hudson Hawk heads. Yeah. I believe me and Will did an episode, and he wasn't on the hawk train, so I'm glad I got a hawk head with me today yeah. to talk Bruce Willis. But I was more looking for... When did you go, oh, this man does not make very good movies most of the time. <laughs> when did that, like, Bruce Willis, like, you know, come to Bruce or come to Bruno, if you will, <laughs> moment happen where you're like, oh, he's trash. I, I, it's interesting because, like, it's so hard to tell when the moment you understood that Bruce Willis had just given up on mm -hmm. life. But it has a very clear moment. Like, at some point, one of these films, he just went like, I'm just going to try anymore. And, like... That slide, for me, when you really look at his filmography, it's really after Hudson Hawk, he goes, ah, fuck it. Like, if that's not going to work, I don't care anymore. Because one of the things about Bruce Willis, obviously, and it becomes apparent, you know, what we watched for this episode was we took some time to watch the most recent film we could find where he was really considered still the star of the movie, mm -hmm. which was a good day to die hard. Since then, he's mostly just sat in a chair in, like, straight-to-video movies. Or been in supporting roles in very odd films like Moonrise Kingdom, the West Anderson picture. We also chose to try and watch something we consider a true passion project of Bruce Willis, which actually predates... Die Hard, which was his HBO one-hour special, The Return of Bruno. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting in that when you look at Bruce Willis, the performer and everything else, it's really, really hard to tell if he actually loves even the things that we think maybe he loves. Well, we know he loves Hudson Hawk. Yeah. There's even an interview on the DVD where he's at like a piano and he's like, why did Hudson Hawk not work? I don't know. <laughs> but... I remember an uh, uh, interview with him on the one show in the UK where they mention his being a musician and doing The Return of Bruno, and he kind of goes, oh, God. Like but that. is that because of the reaction that came after Return of Bruno? Yeah, I, I feel like it's one of those situations, a fairly unique situation where Bruce Die Hard was such a huge success that Bruce Willis was just suddenly like, oh, he's an action star. Whereas when you look at his work before that, Moonlighting, this Return of the Bruno thing, he wants to be like a kind of a funny, you know, Jack the Lad type mm -hmm. who sang cheesy white man rhythm and blues. Jack the Lad? 
Uh, you know, Jack Lad's kind of like, uh, just like a sort of like a cheeky chappy. You know? <laughs> okay, you just use other British terms <laughs> to cover over the one that I asked about. And I mean, everyone listening to this, you know Bruce Willis. What is his shtick? It's like the blue collar everyman. That's why everybody loves him in Die Hard. He always has kind of like a sly smile at his best. But like after Hudson Hawk, it's like, it's not so much the blue collar everyman. It's like a very sleepy bald man. Yes, it That's- is. I mean, that line is so fine, isn't it? Between being charismatic and being like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care about this. I would rather be anywhere else. I mean, I think one of the things that like, when you think about it, it's like when Bruce Willis kind of like, he kind of had a bunch of years of wilderness in the 90s. He was in uh, Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. which is kind of like, uh, he's there. Yeah. Right? And then I think the most interesting thing is that when you were thinking about the Bruce Willis you know, that when he came back and people were like, oh yeah, Bruce Willis was kind of all stemming from the Sixth Sense again. Mm-hmm. Right? And the thing about the Sixth Sense is that- He is kind of sleepy and not there. He's kind of sleepy and not there, which is like almost like, I know I would, I'm not- a big M. Night Shyamalan like booster I think I agree with your take Justin which is like his commercial failure is leading to him just doing pretty schlocky stuff is actually probably the best thing for him Mm. but it's almost genius for uh, M. Night Shyamalan to be like well he's kind of like not really there so I don't really can play a character who's not really there ooh spoiler alert but I agree with you and from there Hollywood was like well what do we do with Bruce Willis and you just got that sleepy like what am I trying to do what are his goals kind of Bruce Willis yeah they just keep slamming him into or they did for a while keep chucking him into like diehard style action films because he did like you know Cop Out Mm -hmm. and Reds right that's what it's called yeah with older people doing uh, oh Red yeah and Red 2 where they're like assassins and they come back not Reds the Warren Beatty picture (laughs) yeah I was like wait a minute (laughs) he did a remake of Reds with him uh, Bruce Willis (laughs) that was his passion project post Hudson Hawk but if you look at his history like he came up and he wanted to be an actor, like he did off-Broadway shows. It's not something that he kind of stumbled into, which looking at his career, you almost assume that like he was a waiter and somebody grabbed him and he's like, you would be great my new TV show Moonlighting. And that's not what happened. Yeah, it's, if anything, I almost imagine a situation where like he was the waiter at a bar, you know, some famous director, or not director, some famous like producer was at, and then the R&B band, the singer had a <laughs> fatal heart attack. Yes. And they were like, we need someone to sing for us. And he got up and it was just so charming, the producer was like, we have to put you in an action film straight away. Me and Matthew, we talked about before we started recording, like we never really watched Moonlighting. It wasn't in syndication. I'm, I've seen way more episodes of Matlock than I've seen of Moonlighting. Yeah, I think I was much too small a child to understand what Moonlighting is. And I actually always confuse it with the Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, uh, Moonlighting, the Norman Jewison one with uh, Cher, isn't yeah, it as well? Yeah, the one with Cher. Right? Yeah. So I always think he, Bruce Willis isn't that, but he's not. Well, you know the story, right? It was Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard and the whole thing was like a will they or won't they and with the detective agency a lot of people have described it as like community before community because it would be like very like meta episodes where there's suddenly in a noir or most famously uh, after they finally got together one of the season premieres was Bruce Willis as the unborn baby tap dancing to heaven oh that's right because Bruce Willis is the voice in uh, look who's talking look who's talking yes. and look who's talking to but he's not an unborn baby in that sh- those movies well he was at one point <laughs> yeah, it's okay <laughs> we're gonna get very tactical about it but yes, I mean, even in Moonlighting, the story goes that like Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard hated each other so much, like they wouldn't even be on the same set with each other, which I think sets the template of like Bruce Willis as a working actor. But that makes me think, actually, that maybe like 
The impression I get of Bruce Willis, yes. right, to be fair, is that actually he's a very delicate flower. Of course. And Anyone who's like, oh, I'm the cool guy, you know, nothing his, bothers me. Cineskin possible. His feelings get hurt very easily, right? Mm-hmm. So Hudson was a big failure, you know. And if you look at Return of Bruno, it's literally just every celebrity you can think of buttering Bruce Willis. And so therefore, I think that when it came to Moonlight, you're saying that like Sybil Shepherd was really mean to him, right? He hates Sybil Shepherd. I think maybe it's that he started to see the set being filming things as not a safe place for him and that's why now he just is like yeah sure I'll have a deep fake of me and that instead of being there sure I'll sit in a chair I'll uh, be in a version of misery where I just lie in a bed like because he doesn't want to put himself out there because it all stems from Sybil Shepherd hurting his feelings at some point in the 80s do you think it's all from there that could like be. yeah you know what you could be right I yeah. mean the big thing about Die Hard was that it was like a huge payday that he got paid like so much money to appear in this movie the fact that it turned out to be like a classic that everybody loves best action movie ever that is almost an impossibility plus I actually have a question here that I feel like you'd have a better answer than than is Die Hard in some sort of ways the sort of the beginning of the really quippy like charming like yeah. Action hero? Action hero? That's like almost a John McTiernan trait because the idea of John McTiernan action films were kind of a reaction to a macho-ness yeah. to the point that it became a joke. But then that joke then got baked in to other films until it was just text. Because I always think that must have been what must have felt so refreshing about that. Yeah, right? that he was an like, everyman. Yeah. Your, your grim, like, you know, death wishes and dirty hatties coming out of the 70s and the early 80s. And then suddenly you have like, you know, This guy, he wants to save his wife, but he's having fun with it. (laughs) Yeah, like, he's almost not too good to be there, but it's like, oh, I can't believe I'm in this situation. Like, how did this shit happen to the same guy twice in a row? Whatever that line is in Die Hard 2. But... Yeah, I think that's what people found so refreshing about Bruce Willis is that, like, when you talk about a Bruce Willis performance, it's always the same, right? Yeah. He's not going to get lost in, like, wow, I can't believe that's not him. Even though he has played Nebish type and stuff like Death Becomes Her, mm-hmm. where he's, like, really over the top and big. And now let's jump all the way back to the thing that me and Matthew watch, Return of Bruno. Some people listening to this may be like, what? what is Return of Bruno? So... Bruce Willis released an album called Return of Bruno, where, how would you describe it, Matthew? Well, it's extremely 80s production style. So, like, uh, lots of midi saxes. Like, white man R&B, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, a lot of harmonica. (laughs) He does a version of Peter Gunn, you know, the song. He does... And the craziest thing about it is that, and I think this is why it makes it so challenging to watch what's happened to Bruce Willis's career. Bruce Willis must have been extremely liked at the time of Moonlighting. Even if Sybil Shepherd hated him. Like, you look at the people who are in this movie, right? You know, it's got... You have never seen more famous musicians in one thing. I mean, and not even famous musicians, like musicians that people take seriously. And we should note, I was talking about the album that came out, Return of Bruno. For HBO, a hour-long documentary came out. Mockumentary, if you will, which is 30 minutes of who is this Bruno character and 30 minutes of like Bruce Willis playing at like, I don't know, a hard rock cafe or something like that. The people who are on his album, it's the Temptations and things like that, right? And then in this video, people are sat down to like talk about how, like, so like they literally have Ringo Starr being like, "Eh, peace and love, peace and love. (laughs) Eh." And he says like, 
Oh yeah, actually, you know, it's Bruno who introduced me to the rest of the Beatles. Elton John's like, it should be Bruno in the Jets. But then actually I just decided to call it Benny in the Jets in the end. And they even managed to wheel out Brian Wilson, who is extremely healthy looking and lucid. One of the rare moments they're like, listen, we don't want to spend this capital we have right now of Brian Wilson being present. What do we use it on? They're like, well, we got this Bruce Willis, Bruno mockumentary. You know, Grace Slick, Joan Baez, like every person you can think of who was like... Um, Phil Collins like yes. Michael J. Fox just riffing just, just the most brutal like he is he's like they were like just riff Michael you're funny and he's like uh okay I I'm guess. a big Bruno head uh, I get letters from Thailand it takes six months to get here and you're watching it and in some ways, it's very in, in in theme for Bruce Willis because it's a Bruce Willis project that he didn't have to do them much, much work for because well, he's not on screen now. We much. should point out, so this whole mockumentary is about talking about how Bruno is essentially the root of all music that we know today. That's... The only joke is essentially famous people going like, oh, Bruno actually inspired me to do that. There's yeah. not that many jokes. Yeah, Paul Stanley from Kiss is like, oh, he told me to do the makeup and the shoes, right? <laughs> Except like, for one amazing joke. Who says that? I don't remember who it is. Who he said that, oh, it's Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh-huh. One of those guys is talking that they came out to the stage and people were like, boo, boo. And then he's like, but then I realized they were saying, Bruno, <laughs> Bruno. And... Yes, before the Simpsons joke. So someone on the Simpsons stole that, like, 100%. Simpsons writers were definitely watching HBO late at night in the late 80s. That's what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And so someone saw that joke and stole it. And you know what? Fair play. It's a fucking great joke. And I laughed really hard during the Bruno thing about it. Because... The insanity of one of the Crosby, Stills and Nash guys saying that. Like, What's also important is Bruce Willis's involvement in this doc is that he throws on a bunch of funny wigs and he recreates Forrest Gump style. <laughs> him interacting with famous people and also him performing like, like the Beatles on the Dick Clark show. Is Dick Clark actually there? Yes, he narrates the documentary and he's also on camera. Or what are the other ones? Like they even have him in the Cavern Club, but it's a new... New Jersey version, the Tunnel Club, <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah, I mean, like, I almost thought that, like, watching it, I was like, oh, because there's quite a lot of these type of weird mockumentaries. Like, I always think of like the Ruttles, you know, like, the Ruttles, yeah, the, the Monty Ruttles. Python one. Yeah, it's not Monty Python; it's just Eric Idle. Oh, right? okay, yeah. yeah, and like, there's a few other ones as well, and they always go for the more or less go for that same shtick, which is like, you've never heard of this band, but actually, they're really, really important to music. <laughs> yeah, of course, they're called Sparks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Sparks are a hundred. That's like. That's the funniest joke Edward I ever played, right? Sparks are not a real band. <laughs> what if one of them pulls a mask off? It's Bruce Willis. <laughs> it's Bruce Willis? Yeah. The long con. Or, should I say, Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, like, it, it's just, like, we mentioned it, right? So there's a there half an hour of, like, pretty de- deathly riffing about how amazing mm-hmm. Bruce Willis is. And then Bruce Willis performing, and we just watched... <laughs> a Good Day to Die Hard. Day Hard, which is more like a good day to have a nap, I guess, <laughs> yeah. like Bruce Willis' mind. And you see, he jumps around on stage. He interacts with the audience. He's smiling. It's like, I want to know, is that his happy place? You we know? should point out that he is so lame he's on so stage. Lame. <laughs> he, he's, he, at one point, he wears like a big long coat and then like a, a hat with a with like a, a baseball cap with a brim that's about like a foot long. <laughs> and it's like, what is it that? It looks like a hat that would be like a Zucker Brothers movie for a gag. Like it's yeah, like, a novelty hat. Yeah, like they would do like an angle where it looks like a normal hat and yeah. then it would change the camera. And then it like angle. hit somebody on the head yeah, or something like that yeah. when they turn. He's also wearing like white sunglasses at one point yeah. with a long white jacket. But more costume changes than Weird Al. It's a very strange 
thing to watch. Like, I, not just purely because it's Bruce Willis doing his music. Like, it's simply because he's so alive in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we don't usually associate him with that. Because I was thinking of like, okay, other than the Die Hard movies, where is Bruce Willis like alive? You know what? He's probably alive in the Blake Edwards films that he made early on in his career that nobody likes, like Blind Date. But like, as far as like popular stuff, even in something like Pulp Fiction... That's sleepy Bruce Willis. He's so sleepy in that. Yeah. Like part of the, I think part of the reason that, that he was cast in that is because like he was like, well, he's playing a boxer who's been hitting the head a lot, mm-hmm. right? And he's just like, yeah, you'd be that sleepy or hit that much in the head. Or even people that are like, oh, but he's great in Looper. And it's like, he's so sleepy in Looper. He's so sleepy in Looper. In Looper, like famously, there's a sequence where they're, he's like, please, you got to explain what's going on. And he's like, it doesn't matter. I'm too tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Bruce Willis did a riff. He's like, I got some of my... Um, Bruno riffing, so just let me go. I could do it. We should point out Bruno ends with like behind the scenes footage of Bruce Willis talking about how he invented Gumby, and it's the most painful thing you've ever seen. It's a riff that seems to go on for literally hours, mm-hmm. and you could just imagine Bruce Willis being like, because you know he was produced, executive producer, everything else. Being like, we gotta keep the Gumby stuff. That is gold, but it's not really a joke. It's just him talking about inventing Gumby. But is the idea that like. Bruce Willis always wanted to be the goofball. Like, if you look at his credits, he seems to be a guy that was pretty much willing to do anything. Like, he was in a another mockumentary called That's Adequate that I've never seen about, like, Hollywood. He, like, cameos in The Player. He cameos in National Lampoon's Loaded Weapons Part 1. Great spoof film. I think in some ways, he reminds me of John Hamm. Because John Hamm is a guy who obviously, like, became very famous because of Mad Men. But he always wanted to be a comedian. But he always just wanted to be a comedian. And he's in so much comedy stuff and the thing is that like what I think the difference between John Hamm and Bruce Willis is that John Hamm like puts the effort in no matter what he's doing like he knows he has to work mm-hmm. right or whatever like that like and so he does the work but you can tell that his heart is actually in all the goofy comedy stuff but the problem is John Hamm isn't really really funny <laughs> no and that's another thing is like is it just the material John Hamm gets like because he's not in funny movies it's not like he's in funny things around him yeah I think I want to think John Hamm is one of those things where it's like he has the opposite problem of most, of most comedians which is like John Hamm is actually like quite good looking mm-hmm. and a charming leading man type in his own way so when he does goofy funny stuff you're like this isn't working for me go back to being a good charming and he's like trapped in that situation <laughs> he's like why am I trapped in this handsome body god damn my luck like, versus he... Bruce Willis though yeah Bruce... I mean he's not super handsome <laughs> like no, even in the, the Bruno special like there's a large credit for hair of Bruce Willis because you know they tease it up <laughs> like every five minutes to make it look like he's not going bald <laughs> but I also argued that perhaps Bruce Willis was like Samson and the hair was his strength that when he wanted to do comedy and once that disappeared he's like well I don't do comedy anymore people just want die hard I'll give it to them in the most low energy well when is the first bald Bruce Willis movie he still has hair in die hard 3 ooh would the first bald Bruce Willis film be 12 monkeys Oh, yeah, which he's pretty sleepy in. Yeah, but I would say he's still committed to it. He does commit to it. Bruce, Tom Monkeys is good. Actually, that's the question. I said, I just said it there, sort of in an offhand way, but people tend to have differing opinions on Die Hard 3. 
Right? I like Die Hard 3. I, mean, I, I, I don't understand why some people don't like Die Hard 3. I think the argument, they'd be like, it doesn't feel like a Die Hard film. And then you could say, well, that's because of the script called Simon Says that they added John McClane to. And that makes sense. But I mean, you got John McTiernan, you got Bruce Willis, you got Samuel Jackson bouncing off each other. You got a puzzle that makes no sense, even though I read it multiple times on the Internet. It was the jugs of water. The jugs, the jugs is so easy, man. Like, <laughs> it's so easy. All right. Explain it to me afterwards. But like even around that period, you have like Last Man Standing, Walter Hill. He's sleepy in that yeah. but last man standing is quite boring fifth element bruce willis is kind of there but then i think you have the death knell which is mercury rising like yeah. that is that's bald bruce willis and that is the drag so, so you might be right because he has he, he has blonde hair in uh fifth element right? yeah he does so maybe the good ones are the ones that he has hair in the bad ones are the ones that he's bald in so what we're saying is if you're listening bruce get hair implants <laughs> money from russia for the deep fake shit like get some hair implants man do you think he's like oh i suddenly feel stronger <laughs> filled with more energy he is bald and unbreakable though and i like unbreakable unbreakable is okay unbreakable doesn't the problem is that the genius of making him sleepy accepting his sleepiness for six uh, uh, six cents mm -hmm. but then like he has to do stuff in unbreakable <laughs> like <Yeah>. so like <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm still looking here and I'm like, yeah, he does have hair in Sin City. So I feel like our hair, no hair. There's probably some outliers there, which are not that good. Well, you know, the exception proves the rule. Yes, right? exactly. You know, like, but really what we need is for Bruce Willis to plug in a bunch of Samson, like long, beautiful blonde locks and then record uh, the return of the return of Bruno. Oh, man. Can you imagine someone pitch that to him? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. That seems like a funny or die thing they just passed over. That he's yeah. like waiting by the phone being like, anyone i will do it for like i don't know crackle i'll do a return of the return you said of also i've never seen there's even kids bruno a cartoon series <laughs> yes there is <laughs> which i was like did bruce willis do the voice was he that committed to it bruno the kid is what it was called 36 episodes were made 36 episodes and he did do his voice what in was it the in deal? 1997 10 years later <laughs> I should point out, too, that the kid version of Bruce Willis is bald, except for one little patch of hair at the top. So, you know, probably good. What really was the deal within the 90s how for children's cartoons they Life were like, with Louie Louie yeah, Anderson yeah, Howie Mandel Howie Mandel <laughs> Louie Anderson Bruce Willis who is like do you know what kids love Louie Anderson and you know what those cartoons were such a part of my childhood I watched them all the time yeah, I like Bobby's World and I didn't know any of the comedians who they were didn't Howie Mandel like come out and do like a intro at the beginning of the stuff he did I think maybe not for all episodes <laughs> that, but... that, that, that's for the adults who are yeah. like that's the guy who puts the condom over his and blows on it yeah yeah, I don't know. That's another mystery we'll have to solve. But moving on, we had to pick a bad Bruce Willis film, and there are so many bad ones. My pal Mark Hansen of the Basement Video Podcast has a mission that he watches every Bruce Willis film that comes out, every single one, and he's barely in them. He's often sitting in a chair, sad, doesn't really commit. I wonder, looking at his filmography, did he get taught that by Robert Rodriguez, who's famous for just getting the actor in, shooting him out, and then like, you know, a couple days and you're done, and you have a whole whole movie around him? When you think about it, right, like, I mean, it's not that this isn't like tradition and cinema right mm -hmm. it seems more like an asian cinema thing where it's yes, like it is in japan you're like 
we have Ricky Takeuchi for mm, 12 minutes. <laughs> Let's get him out. Let's get close up of his face going like, ah! <laughs> yeah, we'll use, we'll use you know, other felon shots otherwise. But you would assume that, like, if you were getting an actor to do that, they would be giving their all in those 12 minutes that you have them, as opposed to being as sleepy as possible, just sitting in their chair. You might as well just have a dummy of that actor, a wax dummy. But I think that's what makes the, um, you know, we've sort of talked around it, but, mm. you know, obviously the reason Bruce Willis is sort of in the news now is because he is probably the first, like, fully approved, like, deep fake based on a living person, which is in a bunch of kind of nothingy, kind of Russian. Uh, <laughs> Can they make pornos? With the Bruce Willis deepfake. Well, this is the question, right? So mm. the reason I want to get to is that in some respects, I kind of love this, right? Because Bruce Willis clearly doesn't want to work. <laughs> yes, but, but he does need to work, I guess. I mean, he must have something. It's the classic thing, divorce or something. I own a bunch of hotels. I, or he owes a lot of money or yeah. something to someone. And so he has to work, but he doesn't want to. So at this point, he said, fine, sign up. And when I saw it, I assumed that he'd given them like something, but actually had to like, do a hundred percent themselves. They took footage from Die Hard. They took footage. So from... he didn't even show up and like do like motion capture stuff for them. No, because a deep fake doesn't need that, right? The whole mm. point of a deep fake is you actually take footage from other things and use them. Right. Even in my head, I thought, oh, he's probably just giving them a bunch of like footage of his head or saying the lines or something, and that's classed as deep fake, right? No, no. He literally said, just find a bunch of footage from Die Hard and other shit and use that, and then send me a big check, right? Like mm. I know it's a no, it's a telecommunications company. It's probably a huge fucking check, and I just think it's interesting because. Because it's like, I thought to myself, although those adverts aren't very good, there's the chance that even without growing a huge, big, you know, afro or something <laughs> to have super hair powers. <laughs> so he's um, the most energetic he's ever been. Um, he's like Beatles-like in his Bruno music with a yeah, giant afro. We could maybe have Bruce Willis back because he just like says like, yeah, sure, stick my, stick my face on someone. What if every single dollar that he's earning goes into hair growing research? He's like, I need my powers back. <laughs> like he's going to like a white room. He's like, here, I got another million dollars. How close are we? And they have like a chia pet that's like growing hair. <laughs> no, they have like this horrifying disembodied Bruce Willis head <laughs> with a clone. It's like uh. it's, kind of, it's kind of like you know that you know in the prestige there's all those tanks. Yeah. There's all these tanks of like different bald Bruce Willises because he's gonna have his mind put into one of them. And Bruce was like every single Bruce Willis they clone still goes bald. I mean I was shocked to see that during the period of a good day to die hard 2013 there was a documentary that came out called Bruce Willis Why the Legend Never Dies a documentary about his career narrated by Bruce Willis. Well, one of the things is that Bruno implies that Bruce Willis has been about and was an adult man at the time of like in like the 50s before the Beatles. So he's right? like a vampire like returning in the So, and we were saying the legend never dies. Maybe that does in fact prove that Bruce Willis is immortal. And like most immortal people you get eventually bored of life and that's why he's so sad and bored of all his movies. <laughs> but why does he have to keep making movies? Like, if he just retired at a certain point, like, I don't need to do this anymore. I'm collecting enough residuals from all the movies that I've made. I'm good. Take up video games or something, man. John Carpenter's happy playing Destiny. I mean, John Carpenter on Twitter's like, Abba's back. I feel like I'm 28 years old again. <laughs> so just enjoy your life. A good day to die hard, though. We should talk about it for a moment. We sat through all of it. As I was going, talking about, about the die hard, so, you know, one, two, three, good. Mm -hmm. um, four is not particularly good but he does beat up a jet with his bare hands which I think is funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah bad bad sequence but sure you can find enjoyment out of it um, and then five is just like it's like what's the point of that was that a script a diehard script because I, I can't it doesn't feel it like is. one he's very sleepy in it I like the way that it looks because it looks weird it looks like you know like 
bootleg Tony Scott. It's like, I'm, I'm Tony Scott. Look at all these, you know, bright colors and like these shafts of light going into the most uncharismatic characters you've ever seen. I was trying to think of who the villain was. I'm like, I don't even remember who the villain was. Some guy with a white bushy beard and another guy who gets killed by that guy. Like the thing about it is, is it feels like... The movie should be about John McClane getting put into a home. Because, like, at the beginning. <laughs> it's a good of the day movie, to die hard. It's like, yeah, die hard. And then he just die. But he's so doddering and confused <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. He, like, goes to, like, <laughs> he, Russia. He, he keeps screaming, I'm on a vacation. When he's not on a vacation, he's <laughs> in Russia to, like, get his son. They rewrite the movie around Bruce Willis. It's like a Bowfinger style situation where they just let Bruce Willis go. <laughs> oh, do you think they, they actually just sent Bruce Willis on vacation to Russia? <laughs> yeah. and shot the movie around him because that would make a lot of sense yeah because like in the beginning when he's like standing next to that truck and Jack Courtney's there and he's like hey Jack because he thinks Jack Courtney's called Jack <laughs> even though that he's later revealed to be John McClane yeah Jr. And he, he's like hey Jack hey Jack and he's like I mean, you gonna shoot me now Jack the action literally leaves John McClane standing there John McClane stands there not in the action for a while continuing to be confused and then he goes I guess I better join this action scene <laughs> yep so that's pretty much what that movie is. I don't think anybody likes uh, Good Day to Die Hard. Like, there's nothing to it, right? Yeah. Like, it's just, like, there, and then there's twists and turns, but it's not a Die Hard movie. Like, to some extent, people don't maybe don't like 3, or even because it's not like John McClane is trapped in a single place and has to deal with this stuff, right? Mm. But, like, I think that 3 kind of expands the into he's trapped in New York. New York is the thing, right? Like, that he's having to deal with. And then 4 is just a load of old nonsense that can't possibly have been a diehard movie either to begin with. But 5 is, like... What is the point of that? People love money. That's the point of it. <laughs> like, that's the only point Did of it. Did it make money? Uh, no, because I don't think we'll be seeing a Die Hard for a long time. They kept threatening young John McClane, to which I say, why? Nobody wants this. Don't give this to but us. But what would young John McClane do? I think you just need to look at Bruno the Kid for some that's answers true. to that. 36 episodes, man. I mean, that's 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 so much to pull from. That's one season. Oh, you think they're going to, like, deep fake Bruno the Kid? <laughs> yeah. So I think that we've kind of summed up our thoughts on Bruce Willis. Which is, I guess we like him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the thing is, it's like, I feel sorry for Bruce. He's the only multimillionaire I could imagine being, like, so feeling sorry for. I mean, he's so miserable. You know, like, people tell you in your life, you know, like, do what you love. Money doesn't buy happiness. Money doesn't buy happiness. You know, just, just <laughs> like, be happy in your life because eventually you will die. And Bruce Willis is out stoned about out here, like, please kill me. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I learned... Every day is pain. <laughs> that he finally had his Broadway debut in an adaptation of Stephen King's Misery and... <laughs> Matthew figured out right away like, why that's the one he you picked. You know why he did it? Because he said, he said nah, I don't want to do that. And he's like, well, you mostly lie in a bed. And he's like, oh, can I nap? And they were like, no, you've been to play. And he's like, I'm going to nap. <laughs> can you imagine like the actor comes in and he's asleep? A hundred percent. I guarantee you when they close the curtain between acts, he doesn't get out of that fucking bed. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for our episode on Bruce Willis. I won't answer any letters this week because I'll wait until Will Sloan gets back. But you can send us letters at Important Cinema Club Podcast at gmail.com and again because Will currently can't do the podcast but he'll be back we're not replacing him permanently uh, very soon I'm not quite sure what the next episode will be but there are many possibilities and there'll probably be another guest host as well so until next week my name is Justin Clue 
I was Will Sloan. <laughs> nope. This is Matthew Kumar. <laughs> if you enjoyed our conversation, check out Loose Cannon. Search Loose Cannon's podcast at that shelf. Some people told me the RSS feed is actually broken, which mm. is a pain in the butt. Maybe I will look into if I can fix that in some way. But we have like 80 episodes of just us doing this, but way more riffing. Just <laughs> it's Riff City. <laughs> Matthew, you just saw a movie that you said was very entertaining, much to your surprise at the drive-in. Yeah, I saw um, Free Guy, which I didn't really have any, like, strong, like, feelings towards. I mean, nobody does. <laughs> like, um, It was just, like, it's funny to have just done an episode of Bruce Willis, right? A character who, like, sleepwalks his way through every role. And then to watch uh, Ryan Reynolds' movie, where, like, the problem with every Ryan Reynolds movie is, like, there's just so much fucking Ryan Reynolds. Oh, the man who is the worst part of Hobbs and Shaw. Well, I mean, Hobbs and Shaw is full of worst parts. <laughs> yeah, but he some... is definitely the worst part. That when he comes on at the beginning, you're like, oh, this film's over. So, like, Free Guy, I thought, like, well, you know, let's watch it, see mm. how it is. And, like, uh, the best way I could explain it was, it made me think of watching a Happy Madison movie, like, in, like, the mid-2000s, which is just, like, the guys are just having a laugh making this movie. It's charming enough. It's bright. Like, you enjoy the hour and a half or hour 40 or whatever it is in the cinema, and you then you don't ever necessarily have to think about it again, but you can. But if you think about it, you think, yeah, I had a nice time. Were you ever a Ryan Reynolds fan? Uh, I can't remember his early career van like, wilder was uh, the one no, where he popped yeah i never watched that movie isn't that the one like where he like eats a dog's balls or yeah, something like that I, although that sort of mid-2000s era as well where all the movies are like bro uh we just had a dog do diarrhea on a preferral and then uh <laughs> yeah. oh no the dean's coming wrap uh, it up and it's like van wilder like they sort of like where they just take the kind of like stuff and they just sort of make it slightly grosser than mm. it has to be not for me to be honest for the mm. most part and like you know i thought deadpool was fine i never bothered to watch the sequel Mm. Uh, um, from the director of Hobbs and Shaw. This is just like one of those like movies you watch and you enjoy. Like there's, there's nothing much to be said about it except uh, Taika Waititi, who I think is probably coming perilously close to people being like sick of him. Oh, people hate him on Twitter. <laughs> like they hate him. He's very funny in it. <laughs> and it's like, what? Did, I mean, Taika Waititi, he's one of those guys. What's funny about Taika Waititi is he did come from nothing. Yeah. Like literally, like have yeah. you seen the video of him at the Oscars when his short was nominated mm. and the gag is he's like asleep when the camera comes to him it's like, oh, oh. so funny <laughs> yeah. so funny not to suddenly like rag on twitter but like you know like it's very tedious to watch this sort of like swell in public opinion of a bunch of like you know james like, gunn and stuff like that where yeah, it's like it, why why these people like why don't you take it off with somebody else like some rich spielberg or something like, like that as, as you say like you know taka Waititi, he's an indigenous like mm. you know you know director of color like the type of person who like just because you don't like his movies or whatever like like just leave him alone like <laughs> <laughs> i mean he doesn't need us to come to his defense but i mean did have you seen his early films like boy and stuff oh, like that so uh, good they're incredibly good like and mm. i think that like you know those early movies really do speak to his experience and it's mm. like I think that Hunt, Hunt for the Wilder People is a really really good interesting movie because it was like based on a book like written by a white guy but Taika Waititi like saw something in it because it was like a meaningful story to him and then he was able to recast it from his lens and I think that movie is like I didn't probably one of my top like movies of his to recommend and then obviously like you know uh, what we do in the shadows and stuff all fucking hilarious right? so hilarious but it was Jojo Rabbit that turned everybody against him but because Jojo Rabbit's very sweet yeah it's okay it is but like the hate I don't understand but listen everybody has to be a villain one day of the week on social media yeah I guess but like the point is that Free Guy if you just want to watch something that's just a laugh and don't have to think about it any further yeah check out Ready Player One right <laughs> <laughs> no I mean the one thing was like there is a part where you're like oh yeah this is a Disney film mm. 
And like the, all the stuff with all the streamers who is just, I could do without that. So were those real streamers? Those are all real streamers. Okay, so I have no idea who they are. Yeah, and it's just like, it, it sort of feels like a movie where they're like trying to make like young people interested, but it's not, I can't imagine someone who's like addicted to Fortnite being like, this is the best movie ever. Mm. It's more like, as I say, for someone who wants a throwback to sort of a mid 2000s Happy Madison feeling, ass feeling movie. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you could just turn to Netflix though, because <laughs> I mean, they're making Happy Madison films. I mean, I like Hubie Halloween that played last year. It's like a warm blanket did you watch that one hubie halloween is exactly like a warm blanket i remember watching and being like this is literally going back in time yes like hubie halloween is sort of simultaneously good and bad enough that i will definitely be putting on this halloween at some point you know what i kind of want to watch it again too like i'm not going to really watch it no no no. but do something else it's kind of like oh i'm carving a pumpkin this is on the background (laughs) yeah exactly it's the perfect movie as opposed to free guy which we will never return to ever again (laughs) i could watch a sequel i suppose they're probably going to do it but i should point out sean levy did direct the amazing real steel you know the broken mm. clock thing ah what a great movie people have not seen that check it out yeah exactly watch free guy and i watch real steel afterwards <laughs> we do not recommend people check out free guy 